Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. It's benefit season. We all know providing benefits is a cornerstone of employee retention. But many small businesses are priced out or completely disqualified from providing health coverage to their employees. Not any longer. Now, PCA members can get health coverage and they can even tailor options to meet their company's needs. To learn more about all the benefits PCA has to offer and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Hello and welcome to Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. I'm your host, Craig Bunting. I began my career as a professional painter. Now I work for Benjamin Moore as Director of Professional Marketing in support of pro painters. In this series, I'm checking in with some of the best in our business. We're going to hear their stories, things we can learn from, things that make us laugh. Let's get started. Well, everyone, Craig Bunting here again. Today we have Olivia Korth from Korth and Shanahan Painting and Carpentry out of Westchester County, New York. Olivia, how are you? I'm doing well, Craig. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. You'd mentioned before we before we started recording here, this is going to be your first time on a podcast. How are you feeling about it? You know, I'm feeling a little bit nervous, but hopefully I can, uh, you know, hit this one right out of the park. I recently became a podcast listener. It's almost only murder podcasts. So this is a bit of a different genre, but... We're going to kill it. So it's almost <laughs> the same as the, as the murder podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so let me, what's really interesting, at least at the onset for me, as we start this conversation is... You're relatively new uh, to the to the painting to working in the painting business anyway. Perhaps not new to the world of it, right? But so, can you give us a little bit on your background? Absolutely. So, I actually just recently crossed the one year threshold. Um, so, I have officially been in the painting industry for a whole year. Congrats. Uh, that said, I've been around the painting industry for uh, as long as I can remember, truthfully. And I'm I'm coming in, so I actually have a, a business administration background coming in from Fordham University, and ended up moving out into the nonprofit sector for a while. But Corth and Shanahan is a family business, so I work here with my dad, um, and I've grown up around it for my my whole life. So being around the work that he's done has always been really interesting to me. But at this point, uh, my role here, I'm the director of marketing and recruitment. So bringing in the work and keeping the field staffed, which is a very interesting line to be balancing at all times. In some cases, I would imagine that's a bit of a push-pull, right? So uh, you could book the work, but if you can't staff it, you have a problem and vice versa. So uh, the fact that you have your hands in kind of both sides of that, I mean, do you do you kind of look at it through kind of one big lens at the two elements of the business and kind of balance one against the other? Or do you look at it distinctly? Yeah, in a way, both at the same time, which is probably not the answer you want, but I think it's the truth. Um, I take both a both a meta perspective and and a, you know I have to get into the minutia as well. You know, with any painting company, we operate year over year, but we also operate month over month and and week over week. So I'll have specific holes that I need to fill in the calendar at points, or you know I'll have a lead time that's shrinking or really grown out, which will change my staffing depending on on how long or or short that lead time is. But I will say the trickiest. 
thing for me to handle is the staffing side of things. Because of course, depending on the amount of work we have in the door, that will dictate how many hours we have out in the field that we can staff, how many people we need out on our crews. And so it, it really can be a bit of a tricky balance there. So yeah. I, ha- I will say I have had it match once or twice. <laughs> We've had the exact right amount of work and the exact right amount of men. And um, I throw a party for you, myself every time. You've seen the promise lid. <laughs> it, it does exist, right? Yep, you bet. Uh, it's fascinating. So just just for a point of context, what's the average staff look like in terms of size over the course of the year? Totally. So I would say at our lowest, we have uh, maybe like 26, 27. And at our highest, we can have 36, 37. Okay. It really depends on the season, depends on how much work we're pulling at the moment. You know, one thing that it, it'll kill any job is having too many guys out there. Painters just sitting around, not really sure what to do because we only have so many hours budgeted. That'll that'll kill your budget pretty quickly. But also, you know, any work that's really dragging, if it's budgeted for five days and we're in there for going on day eight or day nine, what what's going wrong? What's what's on with that? So we we fluctuate, um, but we do work all year round. So on the on the more mechanical side of the business, day to day, right? So scheduling is probably a big thing. I'm sure that that. That bullseye moves constantly. So like there's a lot of organization that has to be involved, but of course it's flexible organization because you'll get the phone call this afternoon that says, Hey, you know, I know you were going to start the kitchen tomorrow, but so what do you use to help stay organized? Is there a, is there programs? Are there systems? Is there a process? What works for you? So uh, scheduling actually falls under our VP of operations, Teresa, who is incredible. It's phenomenal. I don't think, I don't, honestly, I don't think we would run without her for more than 20 minutes. um, But, you know, we leave it to the customer as much as we can to get their preferences. And then we just kind of fit in where we can. And so it's a matter of when we can say yes, we like to say yes. If it's just completely out of the question, we've gotten some pretty absurd requests over the years. Um, We had someone who asked us to paint a full exterior in three days flat. And so, you know, sometimes we just, we can't, it's physically impossible, but to answer your question fully to the point of what systems do we use? Um, we, we use a couple of pretty basic systems. Truthfully, our schedule, um, because it needs to be so flexible, we house it on a shared Excel document. Okay. Yeah, sure. So if somebody makes one change, the other person can see it. Right. And then we also do have a meeting twice a week with everyone on the management side of things. We call it our production meeting. So during that meeting, we walk through any production issues, upcoming schedule issues, any problems that we're going to anticipate down the line. So, you know, we, we all come together twice a week at the very minimum um, just to make sure we're all on the same page. It's interesting you come from a nonprofit, as you as you mentioned, or a nonprofit background. Mm-hmm. Most people that we talk to didn't start out here. Um, you have a family business that you're working in now, which maybe was a little bit of a foreshadowing to where you could potentially end up. So coming out of a, you know, the world of nonprofit, what do you think you brought to, to the business, you know, over the course of the last year that maybe wasn't there before? What do you think you've imparted on the business that you brought from your previous life that, that now you guys are using all the time? That's a great question. I think there's a few things that I've definitely brought with me. One is, so I'm actually coming from a food equity background in nonprofits. So the work I did for this was actually designing and building programs to get people money for fresh fruits and vegetables. So a very different population we were working with. Uh, You know, we're working in my previous work, working with people who are food insecure, who are maybe struggling with, um, you know, poverty or homelessness. And so it was a very different clientele than the population I'm currently working with. But Really, 
the the basis of the work is still make people happy, making their dream home happen and bringing that into fruition. It really is not that different. It's just a different application of some of the same principles that that I live by every day. One thing that I love about my job is that I get to speak with our customers. You know, when the phone rings, I'm picking it up. And if it's Mrs. Jones and she's upset about something, my job that in that moment is to solve that problem and to make her day a little bit better. It's not to the level of severity as, you know, we're, we're talking in my previous industry with people's hunger. And truthfully, the biggest change for me is just coming into a for-profit industry where we have people who are, are working for us. They've been working for us for a long time, but if we're not bringing in the work, we can't pay them out their salary as well. So, you know, we have a different mindset where the people who work for Porth and Shanahan full time, they're they're reliant on the success of the business in the same way that I am for for my paycheck too. You know, want to make sure that the business is healthy, but we have a different mindset of, of caring for our people. Let me let me ask you this. I mean, it, it's it was a big leap, right? You left a very different career path and then started this one. I mean, granted, you had the family connection, but what? What was that moment? I mean, that light bulb hit at some point or lightning bolt. Maybe. What was it? I mean, what what sent you, sent you to the family business? I don't think it was a light bulb, truthfully. I think it was a lot of smaller fireflies that eventually kind of got jarred up, truthfully. Um, you know, I remember like the day I graduated college, my dad asked, oh, do you have a job? And I was like, actually, yes, I do, my friend. So sorry, but um, had I come into this business the day I graduated college, I would have flopped, honestly. I wasn't ready. I didn't have the right work ethic. I didn't understand the way that businesses operate. You know, there's there's some of those things that you need to learn in your first or even first few jobs that I think would have taken me down if I'd started right away. And so really, I think it the, the right role became available for me here um, and the right way of of interacting with the customers um, and with our team. In, in the past, the only roles that had really been available, like there was a sales position that was open for a while. There were a few other things and just it just wasn't really right for me. And so this came available. It happened at a time when the nonprofit that I was working for was, in my opinion, going down the drain and had become a very toxic place to work at. So that was happening. It was the middle of the pandemic. I had just moved. So all the cards just kind of fell into the right place. And, um, you know, it's sometimes you just have to kind of make a change. And I will say I'm, I'm one of those people where I really love change. And that's what I think is a good fit for me here because every month is like a fresh start. You know, I can hit my numbers in July and then like clockwork, here comes August. In the end of the day, I really love working with my dad, truthfully. Um, I was super nervous about it at first. Uh, my older brother actually had been here with the company for a good while. He is now working at a flooring company in Westchester, which um, he really loves. And I think it was the right move for him. But, uh, you know, it's it can be a double-edged sword to work so closely with family. Um, but we, we get along really well. And shockingly, we're closer now. I thought we'd get into all these huge arguments, but uh, we have some good ground rules in place and I really love working with him. He's great. That's that's really great to hear. I'm sure it warms his heart too. I mean, it's you know unusual that somebody gets to... Oh, don't tell him that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I won't. No, it's our secret. It's our secret for sure. No, he knows. <laughs> You're listening to Benjamin Moore's Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. Now let's get back to our interview. You know, I know you're in charge of staffing and it sounds like 
keeping people happy in that experience is a is an absolute foundational element in what you do every day. How do you impart that same mindset, that same thinking of really about the experience and keeping people happy on the job sites? Because of course you can't be on all of them. Is there a training protocol? Is it simply we're going to have a conversation and you're going to get it? I mean, how do you how do you do it? Um, that would make my life about a million times easier. <laughs> it's you know it's a tricky process. One thing that has been a big focus for us in the past couple of years actually has been our culture. The, the culture that I have has been the culture of my family, which to some extent is also the culture of this business. But we have people coming in from all different backgrounds, different work experiences, different cultures. And it's a matter of safety and respect is kind of the way that, that I put it in, in my own language. You know, we like to do a lot of group stuff. So we'll have a barbecue at the beginning and the end of the summer. Everyone takes some time off around Christmas to be with their families. We like to incentivize good work, but we like to reward good work as well. All of it really comes down to, do the guys know what's expected of them at work? Do they have a friend that they like at work? Do they know who they can go to with a problem? If something is, they're having a really bad day, maybe because of what's happening at work or because of what's happening at home, can they call somebody and tell them? And if they need to go pick up their kid from soccer practice. Can they leave work 45 minutes to go make sure that they can, you know, whatever it is, we want to make sure that we have that balance between work and life because it can't all just be about work. If you think about, you know, one of the biggest challenges that, that many, many companies are facing now is around labor, right? So it's available labor, skilled labor, certainly. And, and that's just the one aspect, which is finding, right? And hiring but there's the other aspect, which is retention. And it's just as important and maybe even more so, right? It might, might cost you more long run to, you know, lose somebody who has experience than it does, you know, five people that don't. So, you know, thinking about, you know, what you're saying, and, and I have to imagine that it, it helps with retention too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. We're a company that we're on the books. And so I will never be able to compete with a cash offer. I just won't. And I've made my peace with that. But we like to build a culture where if someone works for Corth and Shanahan, they can feel proud about the work that they do every day. And they know that there's a reason, you know, that we're putting on the Corth and Shanahan reds. There's a reason we're picking up this paintbrush right now. But yeah, you know, absolutely. When it comes down to it, a valuable painter might have a higher salary or a higher hourly wage for is it creates that trust in your team where for example, we have, this is actually a great example. We have um, somebody who's been on our team for, I think about maybe seven or eight years now. His name is Vava. He's a phenomenal painter. If we have a really tricky kitchen cabinet job, you better believe Vava is going to be in there and he's going to be doing his thing. It's going to be amazing. And so, you know, keeping someone like him happy and uh, busy and making sure that he knows that we value him as a person and as a painter that's why he still works for us. You know, we need to be paying guys what they're worth. Absolutely. But really the way that, that I've been looking at it, I'm not staffing a field, I'm building a team. Really when it comes down to it, I'll hire somebody with the right attitude and the wrong skill set because we can train those skills like nobody's business. I can teach somebody how to paint. That's not a problem. We can send any crew out to a job and we can know that the same standard and the same quality on that job will be achieved. Because uh, we have the same standards across across the board. Are there are there cheats that you could share to help find these these diamonds before you actually you know, dig too deep? <laughs> there are those are my trade secrets, but I can <laughs> share a few. It really, I will say uh, that initial meeting. I mean, I know this is something my grandfather always said to me, but before he passed. But that first handshake, 
means a lot, you know? And one thing I'll say is that I'm coming from this interesting perspective where I'm, I'm a woman, I'm a young woman in the painting industry. And so these hardened painters will walk in the door and they, they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for, for the, the hiring manager. And honestly will not believe that it's me. Like they couldn't even put that together where I'm the person who's actually going to be interviewing them. So it's always interesting. That one always gets me. Um, if we're sitting in an interview and they're giving me all yeses or all no's, not giving me any details on what they actually are looking for. It's one of those perspectives where a lot of the times I'll get people who have been doing almost like day labor work or just kind of floating around from job to job. And we're looking for someone who's ready to commit to a career. We're looking for someone who's who's interested in being a part of our team. And so the easiest part of my job is when someone disqualifies themselves, um, either because of their attitude, something that they said to me that just really didn't sit right. Like I've had people walk in the door and say some seriously racist stuff, seriously sexist stuff, seriously homophobic stuff. And it's just, it's something that, you know, you can say that to maybe your friend in that context, but in a job interview, take a second, take a second look at yourself. Who are you talking to? You know, what, how do you want to put yourself out there? So there are some flags like that, which are just baseline, not interested in, in having this person work for us. And some are a little bit sneakier. We've had my, some of my favorite ones. So anytime we're looking for a carpenter, um, we always ask, what kind of tools do you have? If you're a real carpenter, you have your own tools. And my, my favorite response was, well, I have a hammer and I have nails. Yeah. <laughs> like that was it, period. <laughs> so I was sitting there and I was like, all right, man, um, thank you for your time. <laughs> I appreciate you coming in. <laughs> what else do I have to say to you right now? So it's a trick, it's a tricky game out there right now. Have hammer will travel, huh? I mean, that that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I know one of the things that you, you've talked about is, is, you know, your involvement with the community and community events and things like that. I mean, I think that's something that, you know, we've seen go a long way. Um, they're oftentimes community-based businesses, right? More often than not. And, you know, I think having that equity within the community is very, very difficult to put a price on because it's, it is so incredibly valuable. So how, what kind of events are you, are you involved in? And then how, how does that help? My dad, Will, he's from Chappaqua, New York, which is right in the heart of Westchester County. My dad is one of seven. When he was a kid, he dressed up in, in, you know, in this Halloween parade they have called the Ragamuffin Parade. And so my grandma, Mary, took her and her seven kids, dressed them up as the seven dwarves, and they walked in the, in the parade and they like won the contest. So it literally goes back to when my dad was one or two. He's been doing things in his community. He grew up in Westchester. He knows this place. And to some extent, I, I really do too. So, and it, it really does kick back for us. You know, it works because we get to support the event. It's a great way to connect with our customers without overstepping our bounds, if that makes sense. Because we can be in their community and, and, you know, connect with them there, but not be knocking on their door asking for painting work. And it's a good way for me to understand the demographics. We have all these little towns in Westchester and each town is so different from the next. It's like, you know, it's like a whole nother country. The way that different towns operate, you need to just know or you won't be able to effectively market to that town or effectively work in that town. It's almost like villages, right? They they sort of operate in their own little entity and, and it's unique. It's not something that you find all over the place. 
as we wrap up, I start thinking about like, what's the, you know, it's a human business, right? And you're, you're, you're dealing with human beings all day long and whether it's, you know, the good, the bad or whatever else you, you get it. And oftentimes one of those categories is just, it's humor, right? I mean, you, you ha- there are days when there are instances or incidents where you, you just have to laugh because whoa. Totally. <laughs> right. So does you, do you have one that boils to the top as, as I'm saying that, that you're like, you know what, this is, this is one that was for the books in the last 12 months. Do you got one that comes to the tip of your tongue? Oh, uh, are you, are you thinking like on the, on the internal side of things, customer facing? Yeah, I'm give so me the really- best, give me the one that just, it rocked you. You just you couldn't believe it. Let's see. Oh, that's so tricky. There's so many of them. Um, well, okay. So I had an interviewer. I had an interview one time with a painter. <laughs> Got it. I, you can't see me, but I'm using air quotes. Um, so apparently he had been a painter for, he told me about 20, 25 years. And um, he he walked in the door and he was pretty, pretty direct, you know, pretty steady guy. And, uh, which is fine. I don't mind people that are direct. Like that's cool. You want to get in and do your work and get out. Sweet. That I'm cool with that. Uh, but I, I asked him if he was afraid of heights because, you know, we work in a very ladder dependent industry. And he said, Oh, I don't go on ladders. And I was like, okay, um, cool. No problem. Um, and then I was like, okay, was there anything else that you don't do? He goes, um, Oh, well, I don't tape. I don't prime. Uh, I don't sand. I, I just don't sand. I'm not going to sand anything. Oh, and I'm not going to move the paint cans around. And I was like, okay, so actually you just don't want to do any of the painting? Like, right. I was like, well, well what are you going to do? He was like, oh, I can finish the paint. I can do your finishing lines and Venetian plaster. Wow. And so I was just like, you know what, buddy? <laughs> I respect the honesty. Thank you for being so upfront. I think you are in the wrong place. But it's just, you know, every once in a while you get someone who just walks in the door and they just kind of take you for, take you for a spin and you're not going to know what happens. Yeah. You took Uh, the top six job requirements and you missed the ball. Exactly. I was like, thank you so much for wasting my time. I really appreciate it. That's incredible. Olivia, first of all, I want to say thanks. Thanks oh, for your time. This has been fantastic. You were awesome. Um, it's welcome to the industry. It might be a year late, Thank but uh, I'm glad you're in it. It's uh, it's a it's pretty amazing. The best part of it's the people, and I've really enjoyed the last few minutes talking to you. And the goal, right, as you probably know, is for anybody who hears this, is to just grab one of those nuggets, right? One of those little things that they think, oh, you know, maybe think about things a little bit differently, and. You know, the way in which you talked about uh, the culture that's been created and how important it is and how foundational it is. That's what really, really hits me. Yeah. And this has been really great. And, and we will we will absolutely see each other soon, I'm sure. And 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 when we do, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to it. We love Benjamin Moore and we love anything that we can do to support you guys. You know, it's 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 always it's always great to have friends out in the industry. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coverage. If you enjoyed this podcast from Benjamin Moore, be sure to subscribe and share it with other professional painters. Follow us on Instagram at Benjamin Moore Pro. DM us with questions, comments, or future topic suggestions. Let us know if you would be interested in being a guest. This is your podcast, and we want to hear from you. In the meantime, stay busy, and we'll see you on the next episode of Coverage. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.